Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the precious anointing of the Holy Spirit. With it, Lord, we can do all things. Without it, we're empty. Father, we thank you for that anointing that helps today make my tongue that of ready writer, make my voice an instrument in your hands to write upon their heart, Revelation, according to Hebrews 10. We thank you the anointing destroys yokes and removes burdens. We thank you for revelation of the word that produces faith, and faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you that Jesus receives all the glory. Make yourself big, Jesus, in this sermon, and make me small. I give you praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What a privilege and joy it is to be here with Pastor Nancy and with these wonderful ministers. Praise God. What a joy and a privilege. What have, hasn't it been a wonderful week in the Word already? Amen. Dad Hagen said, as you've heard many times, the New Testament emphasis is life in the Spirit. And that seems to be a reoccurring theme this week. Uh, and all the different messages are coming around to that. The walking in the Spirit, life in the Spirit, the flow of the Spirit. And obviously, if uh, the New Testament theme is life in the Spirit, uh, we're in the New Testament, which means the church age is life in the Spirit, which means in this last day, end of, end of days that we are in, and the end of the end is coming, we, we see on the horizon the return of the Lord. Uh, all the more, if it's for the whole age, it means more ever than ever, it means more now. We have to have this flow of the Spirit if we're going to accomplish His plan in the earth. And I love what has been, if I can just do a short recap, because I want to be a good student. I just don't want to come and let all the services blend. At least that's my personality. Uh, I want to know exactly what's been said even just as a brief summary so I can go back and I can know, you know, Tuesday morning that was said, Wednesday night that was said. Because sometimes, you know, we, we just come, we put it all in one bag. Now it is all connected and flowing, but, but we need to be able to know. So Monday night, Pastor talked about sin. Do you remember? Dealing with sin, uh, living clean, or it will show up in your body. And healing and benefits can flow if you're not living righteously. Tuesday morning, Pastor Cody very masterfully talked about the plan of God. I'm just talking one sentence summaries. Fulfilling the plan of God, not delaying the plan of God. Because prosperity is supposed to be easy when you're in the plan of God. All of these things are connected with life in the Spirit. You can't have life in the Spirit if you don't live right. You can't have life in the Spirit if you don't do the plan of God. Tuesday night, Pastor talked, (laughs) I'll never forget that as long as I live. Praise God about, if you want life in the Spirit, you can't have the legalism of lists. You've got to have the interconnected flow of the Holy Ghost. That is life in the Spirit. Wasn't that a blessing to us on Tuesday night? Wednesday morning, Pastor Jay talked about light and easy flow. You'll find rest to your soul. Some of you got cats on your head. Throw them off. <laughs> Praise God. We, 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 it's, it's your soul. It's your mind that, that God says, I want you to have rest for your soul. So you've got to think right if you're going to have the light and easy flow. He's the big horse. I'm the little horse cooperating with him. Thank God for these analogies that we won't forget. Praise God. And of course, last night, pastor so perfectly and skillfully about worry and about the power of God is hindered by worry. And she said, and I quote, what you worry about, his power has no access to change. And Dad Hagen referred to this so often, casting your cares and not worrying. 
Amen. But she also talked a little bit about sickness and, and uh, the spirit of fear and how you don't just, you know, deal with the demon, but you deal with the atmosphere and the threat that he brings and that you have to speak to those spirits specifically and speak to the threats specifically. And so in, in, in listening to that, I just felt the Holy Ghost say, I want you to talk about authority and dominion because there is, there's, without that skillfulness like last night about worry, we can't walk in the spirit. And I know this is fairly simple and, and ministers, all of you know this, and, uh, but like pastor said last night, it's a precaution for our safety to repeat because there is, there's, there's a lot coming up in this, in this world that we have to understand how to deal with and deal with skillfully. Obviously there's obvious things like demons, but then there's other things like that spirit of fear and, and things that are much more subtle as well as things that are obvious. I remember Dr. Sumrall, I was listening to him back in the seventies and he said in the seventies, he said, never before in the history of humanity have we needed to understand our authority to cast out devils. And that was in the 70s. If Dr. Sumrall lived today and saw what was happening in society today, I don't know what, I don't know. He said, never before have we needed to understand our power and our authority. And this is back when it was fairly light compared to what we're seeing in, in, the, in the gross darkness that covers the people today. And, I'm, and, I, and the time when people, he also said, at a time where people need to be talking about authority and casting out demons more than ever, the church is silent. And that was back in the 70s. And I, everybody wants, to, listen, there's a place for counseling, there's a place for all this, but everyone seems to try to package everything so nicely and, well, let's just try to sweep it under the carpet and let's send you to the psychiatrist. And, and I'm telling you, I think if people understood more about their authority, uh, the congregation members could deal with a lot of problems uh, <laughs> instead of sending everybody to the pastor's counseling office. And, 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 if, and if they do come, we can deal with a lot without having to go through these long drawn out things because of our authority. So I know this is simple. I know it's basic, but I really do. I heard the Holy Ghost say, I want you to, she was talking about dealing with spirits and she was talking from a different perspective last night, but I want you to talk about dominion and authority this morning. And I believe it, I believe it will help you. You know, Dr. Dufresne uh, was very special to me uh, as he was to all of us. And I spent time with him as many of us did privately. And uh, there were three main things that he imparted to me uh, in very individual specific times. Uh, the, the strongest of which that, that really marked my life from one moment to another was at your church, Pastor Jay, where he hit me. It felt like a truck had hit me and run me over. I've never experienced, it was supernatural. He hit me with both hands on my back and, and, and imparted a, a spirit of boldness to me. And from that moment, I've never really been the same. Sometimes I look at myself and I say, what? after I've done whatever I'm doing, I cringe and I think, what did I just do? What did I just do? This is ridiculous. I'm going to get sued. For sure I'm going to get sued this time. What did I just do? You know, <laughs> and the Holy Ghost say, well, you can blame doctor because you got, you got that. There was something he imparted to me on that. Also for miracles and for casting out of demons. I remember once I was in a church and I was holding his watch as we did, put it in our pocket, his Rolex, because he didn't want somebody to grab it or to fall off. And we're going, and this is beautiful. We're going down the aisle, not in my church, out, out Western Canada. And we were this lady, beautiful lady, wearing a white suit. I mean, very attractive, very elegant, look like a very wealthy person. And she's just standing so peacefully, you know, just waiting for the doctor to come. And he comes and he puts his hand on her and I'm standing right beside him. He puts his hand on her. And as soon as he touched her, her face, I've never seen a human being in my life ever do this. She turned, her face looked like a dog. 
Her face went dark, like a dark gray. Instant, like her, the color changed. And her snarl, she looked like a dog. And she went, like this to him. And I, it so shocked me. I was standing right beside him and I went, like that. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Doctor turned to me and he looked at me and I'm telling you, fire came out of his eyes and it wasn't a good fire. Like if you can't run with the big dogs, just stay on the porch, son. Because I screamed <laughs> because, because the lady scared me. She looked like a demon. She's so beautiful and then she's so ugly. She's so, like a demon. I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating, not one word of a lie. And I, but, but, but you see, I watched, I learned something from him, how to deal with devils. Because when she did that and he turned and looked at me, but after he was finished giving me the look, he turned, I mean, he jumped on her. Like he lunged at her, grabbed her with both sides of the head with his hands and started shaking her and said, I said, come out of her. And she went down totally free, stood up beautiful like before. And after I said, doctor, I'm so sorry. After he sat down, he said, son, don't ever be afraid of devils. And he quoted me. He said, the Bible says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. All they have is a bark. They don't have a bite. Don't ever let their, their, their expressions or their words ever scare you. And he said, don't ever do that again. I said, I'll never do that again. But I, I never went in with a line for a long time after that. I said, I'm not, this is above my prey grade. I'm not, I'm not cut out for this stuff yet. But that boldness came. Doctor was very bold. Dr. Sumra was very bold. But have you noticed there with Jesus, they've passed something on to this generation and this society needs it more than ever before. And yet I find most preachers are spineless, not our preachers. I'm just saying most people out there when it comes to authority and taking charge and dealing with devils and dealing of obviously with our own thoughts, there's lots of ways you use your authority. It's not just with them or even things in your body. Uh, there is just like a, eh, eh, there's always a, a mental justification or let's try to think our way through it. And really, if we're going to walk in the spirit, we got to understand our authority and we got to use it and we got to start you becoming more skillful in using it. So turn with me, uh, please, to Deuteronomy 28, 13. The Lord said a statement to me uh, a little while ago and he said, walking in the spirit, son, includes headship. And he has not really phrased it that way before, headship. And, and this is from Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 13. Deuteronomy 28, 13, and I won't read many, I'll quote some, but for sake of time, I won't read everything. But, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only and shall not be beneath. If you will hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe to do them. So God says he's called you to be the head, which means headship is supposed to be in our life. This is a positional reality. You're positionally made ahead in God, but experientially on your day-to-day -day experience, you might be living like the tail. But you are made the head. You might be living beneath, but you are made above. But, but in Christ, we are, we, have, we are supposed to rule with utter dominion in every area of our life. You know this, but I believe that, uh, that when, if we just spend a few minutes talking about this specifically one story. The Lord said, I want you to share this story. If pastor asked you to preach, I want you to share this story. And she did. So I'm going to read you a story about Dr. Uh, Norval Hayes in a second, but let's just read a couple more verses. Ephesians chapter one and verse 19. Remember he said, we're the head, yeah. but that's not just old Testament. We know all the way through the new, and there's so many scriptures, but, but let's just read uh, chapter one, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us? Would who believe according to the working of his mighty power? 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above, above. Remember, we're above and not beneath. All principality and power, might and dominion in every name that is named. That's every name of every medical condition. It's every name of every demon. It's every name of every bit of lack. That's every name. That's every single name. If it has a name, I have dominion over it. But if I don't meditate on that truth and get it so ingrained in my spiritual DNA, then I want, when it shows up, I'll walk in the flesh, try to handle it in my mind instead of walking in the spirit and speaking to it. Praise God. God was trying to teach Moses to speak to things to get into the promised land. But he got in the flesh and hit the rock and said, it spoke to the rock. And as a result, he didn't get in because the new era is for speaking. The new era is for words. He needed a generation that understood the power of their words. And we're, we're that generation far above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come and has put all things under his feet. So under our feet, that means we're not the feet. We're, we're above. If it's under the feet, it means we're above and gave him to the head over all things, even the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So if he put the devil under our feet and we're the body and he's the head, that means we know where the enemy is. Now, uh, chapter two, verse six, you know, these scriptures and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've been raised up high. I've been raised up high. Now we all know these scriptures, but the reality is, do we actually live them? <laughs> do we really live them? Hallelujah. I'm getting my pilot's license uh, and, and we're, our ministry's purchased a small trainer for me to build hours on. And I, the pilot said uh, in one of, in the course thing, he, this very rarely happens. I think it's a, a more an anomaly, a phenomenon more than anything regular. But he said, he told a story of a pilot, which I thought was very fascinating, that was flying once, just a small aircraft and somewhere in the States, I don't remember. And there's a certain phenomena that happens very rarely, but uh, it's like dust particles. But, but when they're at a certain consistency and the sun is at a certain strength and all these factors have to line up, but it can look opaque. It can look clear when you're looking down. And so one, the, the, he, he was calling into the tower and asking permission to land. And they said, there's a, this kind of a dust. It's not dust, but it's similar to that. There's some kind of a dust. And he says, no, there's not. I, I can see you in my, and I can see you. There's, you know, far away, but yeah. down and they, uh, there's no storm. And he's checking the tower to make sure it's the right tower. Has he got the wrong charts? No, there's a storm, sir. You can't land. There's no visibility. I can see. Oh, what are you talking about? And then as he started to descend, wow. all of a sudden he had zero visibility because in that kind of strange, those particles at a certain height, you yeah. see right through them, but at eye level, yeah. they're blinding. And when you're seated up high, you won't notice that many devils. I'm sorry. You'll notice them when they show up, you know, in people's lives, you have to cast them out. You have to, but when you're seated, you're, you're actually not really that you don't even have notice it. I love Dr. Uh, I don't know how to say his name, a Yedipo. something along the lines of, I guess I've had struggles, but I haven't noticed. What, what a statement. When, when you're seated, yeah, come on. you're not supposed to be in, 
all the time. I remember God said to Pastor Nancy once, if you just get in my presence, you wouldn't even have to listen to the voice of the devil about these things. In other words, there is a place in the spirit where, uh, yes, we know there's a devil. We have to deal with him and, and we do deal with him and we deal with him when we need to and we deal with him in other people's lives. But to be conscious of him all the time is not the place of dominion. To think about him, to be even aware of him, it's like if I'm seated, Pastor Noel, and I look down, it's clear skies. There might be a whole problem down there, but it's only when I try to get eye level and try to do some fight or some kind of argument or whatever, then I'm aware, I'm very aware. But if I just stay where I'm supposed to be, you don't notice all the friction and turmoil if you can stay in the spirit. But when you do face it, you have to know your authority. Amen. So uh, headship is a part of it. Can I just tell you a story uh, about about, uh, Norval Hayes? for a second because I felt the Holy Ghost. I want you to talk about this because it's about headship. Now, a lot lot of people, they they give summaries, which is fine, but I'm a bit particular. And so, so I listened to every recording that I could find of Dr. Norval Hayes on this subject, on this story. And there was many of them. I listened to every one of them and I wrote notes on every one of them word for word what he said. And then I compiled all of them, the ones that, you know, were doubled, I, I, you know, there was overlap. But then I, I found that a lot of the times he said things in certain sermons he didn't say in other sermons. And some stuff he added at one time and he didn't say later. So I'm giving you word for word what he said in a compilation of all the different stories that I've heard because there were certain things that you won't hear unless you listen to all of them. Because he didn't share every detail every time he shared the story. Now, now Pastor said many times, these men had experiences, supernatural experiences, visions and different things, uh, not just for their benefit, but for the body of Christ. So that we don't have to necessarily have the same thing because we can learn from their experience. And we shouldn't, you know, we're not praising them, but we are grateful that God saw fit to give them an experience so that I can extract some principles and learn something because he doesn't need to give me the same experience because he gave it to Dr. Dr. Hayes. And so this is about when he went to heaven and because uh, of his daughter, Zona. So I won't be long, but I want to give you just a few thoughts. Twelve growths showed up on Zona's body. Dr. Lowe cut them off. A few months later, they came back, but they multiplied to 42. Open and bleeding, gross. She counted them every day. She counted them every day. And he prayed for five years. He said, I prayed a good Pentecostal type prayer. You know, you know, you know, brother Norval, he's, he's kind of ordinary sometimes. I paid a good Pentecostal type prayer for five years. Oh God, please heal my daughter. Oh God, please heal my daughter. Nothing happened in five years. In fact, the growths grew bigger the more he prayed. Zona pleaded with them, cut them off, daddy, get Dr. Lowe to cut them off. And he said, no, I'm believing God for a miracle and we're going to have one. Oh God, please. Heal my daughter. That's an unscriptural prayer to pray, oh God, please heal my daughter. Because healing's provided, you need to receive it. You don't need to ask God for it. When you receive it, his power will cause it to flow. So that's not a, that's not a scriptural prayer. That's why God can't answer it. And so many people are praying unscriptural prayers and they'll pray diligently for many years, but nothing's happening. So I like the fact that uh, uh, for five years he cried out. Then he, when he figured out nothing's happening, he's, for three weeks in a row, he lay hours a day flat on his back. And he called out and he said, Jesus, I want to know the truth. See, that's somebody that's not willing to give up after five years of no answers. As most people would just say, it's not God's will. But, but he said, I want to know the truth. Yeah. 
He said, why are these growths on my daughter's body? And I can't make them leave. Jesus, I want to know the truth. Jesus, I want you to come to my house and give my daughter a miracle. I have a right to know the truth. Can you picture Norville? You know how he talks. Can you picture Norville saying that? I want to know the truth, Jesus. For three weeks, hours a day, he called out and God didn't say anything to him. So then he said, well, if that's not working, he lay on his stomach and he started beating the floor with his fists for three weeks and saying, I have a right to know the truth. I'm your son. I have a right to know the truth. Heaven has the truth and I want the truth. I can't get these girls to leave. I want to know why you won't heal her. And he beat the floor for three weeks asking God for the truth. And Norval says, and it's true to repeat it, uh, God don't honor silent faith. Faith must have a voice and an action. After three weeks of doing that, he was walking across in his home, walking across, I believe it was the living room, and uh, he took a step, and in mid-step, he went into a trance, just like Peter did. We know that uh, Marie Woodworth Edder, same type thing. She went into a trance, I think, for three days. He froze in midair, and his, his, his natural um, senses were suspended, and he, he stepped into a cloud, a white cloud. And he was instant. He didn't feel himself going up, but he was instantly transported to some part of heaven. He didn't see God, but he heard God's voice. I said, Lord, you sure you want me to share this story? He said, I want you to talk to them about headship. I want you to hear what God said to him. If we trust Brother Norval, which we do. Pastor trusted him. I trust him. I don't believe he's a liar. He, He stepped into this cloud. He said, I became extremely afraid because of the purity of absolute truth. He said there was not one speck of impurity or gray. He said truth reigned supreme. There was no darkness, no fear, no doubt, no lies. There was truth, faith, purity, light, power, and love. It was the perfection of God himself. And he said, I couldn't almost take the atmosphere was so holy, was so clean. There was not one speck of gray anywhere in the atmosphere. It's just God. And, he's, and he, sh- he said, I was sh- kind of, I was afraid. I was shaking. And I heard, he didn't see him. I heard a male voice, slow and strong, say these words. Now, most people don't know this because he doesn't say this part very often. But this is, this is what God said first. How long are you going to stumble around? Are you going to stumble around in darkness? How long are you going to stumble around in darkness? Then he said, how long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? How long are you going to put up with those growths? He didn't say, how long am I going to put up? He said, how long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? (laughs) He says, can you imagine praying for something for five years? And God said, God asked you how long you're putting up with it. You paid for five years and six weeks. And he's asking you how long you're going to put up with it. He whimpered. (laughs) He whimpered. I don't know Jesus. What do you mean, Jesus? I don't have them. They're not on me, Jesus. I'm not really putting up with them. I don't have them. My daughter has them on her body. She's putting up with them. He's he's whimpering. And he's trembling. He said, because of the atmosphere, Lord, I'm not putting up with them. They're not on me. Lord, they're on my daughter. She's putting up with them, not me, Jesus. I'm not putting up with them. And then God yelled at him. God don't like wrong answers. (laughs) That's the wrong answer. When you're, in the th- when you're in heaven, that's the wrong answer. But he said it humbly. He wasn't bold and arrogant. Lord, I, I'm not putting up with them. They're not my daughter. They're not on me, Lord. I'm not putting up with them. And he yelled at him and he said, you're the head of your house. Wow. Come on. You're the head of your house. Come on. In other words, don't tell me 
that you're not putting up with them when you're the head of your house. It don't matter that they're not on your body, that they're on her body. You're the head. You're the head. You're the head. You're the head. Don't tell me. Don't, don't push it off. You're responsible. If Christians today would take responsibility because religion puts everything on God. I'm telling you, that spirit of religion is, it's all God. It's up to God. It's when it's his time. It's, well, maybe he works in mysterious. No, we don't work in no mysterious ways. He tells us exactly how he works. You have the Holy Ghost so you would know the things freely given. He's not, that's religion. That's a devil speaking. That's a demon power speaking. Trying to put everything on God. God is omnipotent, but there's this doctrine that's a false doctrine about, you know, everything is sovereign. Now God is sovereign, but there's a, there's a wrong spirit behind that. Just let God do it when he's in the mood. And God, God don't think that way. Why? Because he's authorized the church and he cannot intervene for you unless you put it in your mouth. And he said, you're the head of your house. Man, I love that. I'm telling you, when, 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 when I hear Norville say that, I, it's like my bones rattle. Because when he yells it, I'm telling you, your bones rattle. Not just by the voice, but by the Spirit of God, my bones rattle. God told him that for my sake. It's like God told me that. You've got to take it personal, not just his experience, it's your experience. Because in Christ, he gave one member, but we're all members in particular. If one member got that revelation for all of us, you're the head of your house. And he says, and he doesn't always say it in all of them, but in, in two of the recordings, he said, when God said that, there was lightning in heaven that struck, right? Lightning struck as God said it. In heaven, there was lightning. And he said, flipped him out. (laughs) If he was shaken before, I don't know. (laughs) And then God, lightning struck, and then God continued. And I'm quoting word for word that what Norville said. What are you putting up with those growths in your house for? They're not from heaven. You belong to heaven. How long are you going to put up with those growths in your daughter's body? You're the boss of your house. And when God said house again, he yelled, house, and lightning. And he said, I mean, when God, the father is yelling at you and lightning is there, I'm sure there's an angel just ready to punch him or something. I don't know. I don't know. But you you just better watch your P's and Q's when you're with God. We put up with so much. And in that atmosphere, he don't expect us to, he, anyway, Norval said, God can't deal with, he gets upset with stupidity. I'm not not saying this. He said it. He said, most of y'all are stupid. Now, I didn't say that. Norville said that. (laughs) And you can believe that Norville said that, can't you? (laughs) Praise God. Then he answered, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know I'm the head of my house. I begin to see it, Lord. I see it. I see it. I see I'm the head of my house, but I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what, how how do I obey you on this? And he's stuttering and stammering and whimpering. He saw it, that he wasn't let the devil on his property but he didn't know what to do about it. See, it's one thing to know (laughs) that you get a revelation, I'm the boss spiritually. But if you don't know how to execute that, (laughs) you still don't know what you're doing. (laughs) I know my car can drive fast, but if I don't know how to operate that, it doesn't matter, right? I know that piece of thing in the kitchen that when my wife asked me to make dinner, I know it does something. I just don't quite know what. (laughs) So I plead ignorance, praise God. Or I make the dinner and I burn it real good so she never asks me again, praise God. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. Can I tell you God's answer? You have never cursed the roots of those gross on your daughter's body in my name like I did the fig tree. If you will curse the roots of those growths on your daughter's body and you will curse them in my name, they will die and disappear. If you will believe and not doubt, they will die like the fig tree when I cursed it. Now, son, go back. You can go back now. But don't doubt me. Believe me, son. Don't doubt me. And you will see the glory of God. That's what God the Father said to him. And he begins to descend. He was instantly there, but now he's doing a slow descent through the atmosphere. And he can hear the Father saying, as it gets fainter as he gets lower, if you'll believe and not doubt, if you'll believe and not doubt, if you'll believe and not doubt, you'll see the glory of God. If you'll believe and not doubt, until it was a whisper. And he comes and he says, as I'm entering this atmosphere, from that atmosphere, he said, this atmosphere is just filled with darkness and filth and impurity. And he said, compared to that atmosphere, he said, this is, this is hellish. He said, as I'm descending through the atmosphere, it was so easy to believe up there. It's so easy to believe up there. But as I'm coming into this atmosphere, I can already feel doubt trying to lay hold of me. And he said, I understand now, 1 Timothy 6, 12, what it means to fight the good fight of faith. Because the atmosphere is like flypaper trying to stick to you. The devil has engineered this atmosphere to cause you to doubt. We don't know what it feels like to be up there, but this man did. And he told us it's so easy to have faith in heaven. But on earth, there's such an atmosphere. And he's coming down and he's feeling this doubt trying to lay hold of him. He comes back into his body and he picks up the step where he left off from the trance. And he continues walking. And, uh, and as he's in his natural body, he starts to walk over to where Zona is with Bobby, her boyfriend, in the living room watching television. He starts heading in her direction. And he hears an audible voice. A voice comes to him and says this, uh, don't go in and pray for your daughter right now because she's in there with her boyfriend and you're going to embarrass her. And remember how much you love your daughter? You love your daughter so much you don't want to embarrass her. (laughs) And he answered boldly because he's still got heaven on him. I don't care about boyfriends. I don't care about embarrassing her. I don't care about nothing. I'm going right in there to curse those groups. So he keeps walking. And the voice turned from a suggestive voice to a pleading voice. He said it was very distinct. And the voice in a pleading way starts to say, but she's in there with her boyfriend. But she's in there with her boyfriend. Don't go in there. Please don't go in there. You'll embarrass her. Please don't go in there. Come on. And Norval says the devil's afraid of people that understand their dominion. He's afraid of us. We're not afraid of him. He's afraid of us. He'll try everything. He'll try to threaten. If you don't don't go with the threat, he'll try to deceive. If you don't go with the deception, he'll try to beg. He'll try every trick in the book to get you to not open your mouth. (laughs) But thank God he had been in heaven and that atmosphere of doubt had not taken hold. He decided to fight that good fight of faith. It's a fight to stay in faith. No, 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 I don't care what I feel. I know what I believe. I'm doing what I believe. And he walked right into that thing. You know, you know, normal man. And he screamed at her, Zoda! And she jumped. <laughs> Jesus told me if I cursed those growths on your body, they would die and disappear. And she, he said, Bobby was sitting there Google-eyed. <laughs> And she said, Daddy, what's wrong with you? Daddy, what's wrong with you? And he said, I just got back from heaven. 
God told me to curse the roots of those gross in your body. And in his name, they will die and the gross will fall off. And he looked at the boyfriend and he said, do you believe me, Bobby? <laughs> That's what he said. And he said, whatever you say, Mr. Hayes, whatever you say, Mr. Hayes. If Norval had come from heaven and yelled at me, I would have said, whatever you say, Mr. Hayes. I don't think Bobby believed it at all. But he said, whatever you say. And he walked over there and he cursed those growths. And I bet after coming from heaven, he expected them all to go boom and bounce on the floor. Right? He expected some dramatic thing. And nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. She's just staring at him. Bobby's afraid of him. Nothing happened. And you know how long nothing happened for? 40 days and 40 nights, nothing happened. Because your faith requires patience to inherit the promises. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he just kept saying many times a day, not legalistically, but out of his spirit, but it was frequently throughout the day. Thank you, Lord, for removing those ghosts from my daughter's body. Father, I praise you for removing those gross from my daughter's body. I cursed them in your name. You told me why are you putting up? Why are you stumbling around in darkness? Why haven't you cursed those gross in your daughter's body? What are you putting up with them for? I'm not putting up with them. You're the head of your house. If you curse them in my name, they'll die and disappear. But you can't doubt. You've got to believe and not doubt, and you'll see the glory of God. Lord, I believe and I don't doubt. I fight the fight of faith. I curse them, and I thank you. I thank you that they're dying. I can't see it. It looks like they're getting worse to me, but they're dying 40 days, 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights. Sometimes you've got to have a bit of staying power. It don't happen. It's not a drive-through. We're a drive-through society. And now we've got so backslidden that when they're taking too long on the drive-through, we complain. It is it not good enough that you're driving through? That now you have to complain that it's not in 30 seconds? Go to a fine French cuisine or a fine Italian restaurant. They'll make you wait for an hour just to laugh at you. Just to let your stomach burn a hole in your, you know. I'm telling you, once in a blue moon, I take Jenny out to a real fine restaurant. The nicest one in Toronto, very expensive. Have like over say $700 for two people. And, 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 but I do that once in a while just to, just to tell the devil I'm... I'm not choking on nothing because I have this. I'm not doing it foolishly. I don't go in debt over it. But once in a while, it's good to push the boundaries a little bit. Praise God. (laughs) And they'll make you sit there. How long going to be? Oh, the chef, sir. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's an artist. Well, that's nice. But how long is it going to be? I'm hungry. They watch you. They wait. I think they enjoy it. They're sick. They, They got a problem. They're enjoying watching you squirm. And they bring out this masterpiece, Pastor, but when I scrape away all that nice artistry stuff, there's only a little piece of meat, a little piece of potato, and I'm mad. I said, what is this? $300 for this? In three, in four spoonfuls, it's done. And I said, can I have the next course? Oh, that was the main course, sir. Anyway, I don't know why I'm saying that. Praise God. Uh, fine cuisine you wait for. Yeah. Find things you wait for. Yeah. We're so used to things being, well, I, yeah. come on, yeah. come on. Yeah. There's an impatience in us. You can't be impatient in your faith. Right. You've got to stand your ground. You've got to fight that fight. And you've got to say, I don't care. I'll stand until I die if I have to, but it won't take me that long. And 40 days and 40 nights, he stood, he stood. And on the 40, he didn't know it was going to be 40 days, but on the 40th, 41st day, she's in her closet. 
There's a mirror on the inside of the door, a body-sized mirror. She's taking out one season clothes, putting it on the bed, and putting the other clothes in her like ladies seem to do. I don't think guys do that, but ladies do. And she's doing that, and as she passes, you know, she can see herself in the reflection. She's not looking at herself. She's doing something. But she, came, she, she, she took one set of clothes and put it down, and she came back to get another set of clothes. And as she's coming back, she had seen her reflection in the mirror the first time. This is, what, 10 seconds later? 12 seconds, 15 seconds later? She happens to catch herself in the mirror, and uh, the growth had disappeared. She starts pulling her clothes off because she counts them every day. She knows exactly where they are. Not one growth. Baby skin. Every one of them in about 10 seconds dematerialized instantaneously. And so she screamed, ah! Norval was in the living room and heard, ah! Zona! And he hears, ah! She's running to the door. She's so freaked out, she misjudged the door and went right into the door frame and knocked herself out. Boom! And he hears, ah! Boom! Zona! 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 So he starts running. What happened? I hear a scream, I hear footprints, and I hear a thud. (laughs) He didn't know what happened. He's almost up the stairs and she comes too. I guess it was a short knockout. She comes too. That's what he said. And she stands up, <laughs> big bump on her. She stands up and starts to stagger to the stairs and he meets her, Zona, Zona, what's wrong? She says, Daddy, Daddy, look at me, look at me, Daddy, look at me. And she's showing. Yeah. I got new skin, Daddy. I got new skin. I got new skin. Look, Daddy. And then she said, This is spooky. This is spooky, Daddy. This is spooky. What is this, Daddy? This is spooky. Some people, they're so shocked when God actually shows up, they think it's spooky. I guess she wasn't really believing, but her daddy was. Because he called him. You're the head of your house. I'd like to challenge you to ask you, uh, pastors, you're the head of your house, your body. You're the head of your house, your physical house. You're the head of your house, your church. What are you lying in your church? What do you long in your church? Dad Hagen talked about pastors that need to get in the spirit and see what's going on in their church. Was it Dad Goodwin, pastor? I think it was that had fasted all those days on the stage and then he saw that demon spirit in the rafters and he commanded to go and then that church started to grow. But you see, because he took some time to wait on God, get in the spirit and find out what's going on in his church because he's the head of his house. He's the head of his church. Something's going wrong in your church. It's nobody's business but yours. Amen. Deal with it. Amen. If you don't know what it is, seek God. Amen. He sought God for really five years incorrectly, but six weeks correctly yeah. in, in that regard, hunger. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then 40 days and nights, he did the right thing, and look, God did a miracle for him. Amen. We're the head of our house. We're the head of our church. Right. We don't have a right to come in my church. Right. I can pastor by the Spirit. Amen. Sometimes people come in, they look so sweet, and the Lord says, get rid of them. Yeah. But Lord, they're so sweet, they give a big offering. Get rid of them, wrong spirit. Don't get into your congregation. Uh, so I don't know how to do that. So I asked my, my Nehemiah, Miss, Mrs. Nehemiah, how do I handle that? She says, just go and tell them, I'm not called to be your pastor. I'm not called to be your pastor. You wouldn't like me anyway. I added that part. You wouldn't like me anyway. But you know, there's a great pastor down the road. I'll call him. They'll be, have the red carpet lined out for you on Sunday. But, but I, don't think I'm, I'm, I don't think there's the right place for you. 
And I don't want to ruin that pastor's thing, but I know that pastor won't figure it out anyway because he's not needy on nothing. So he'll take him. No, listen, she needs somewhere to go. Sometimes you've got to send them to pastors that don't have a clue because everybody needs somewhere to go, but you're not going to be in my church. You're not going to let that demon on you come into this congregation because you, you don't want to be free. You like that thing. You're engaging that thing. And now you're trying to spread it over to my youth group. No, sir. No, sir. I'm serious. I, I know in Canada, I can't allowed to say everything because they arrest you for everything these days. I don't know in the States, maybe it's more loose, but I still won't say it because I don't want to get arrested when I get home. So <laughs> praise God. <laughs> I've already been arrested once. I don't want that to happen again for what I preached. So praise God. Amen. Anyway, praise the Lord. It's fun. Thank, just be very grateful. Whether you got the right president or not, just be very grateful for your country. You have a wonderful country. Believe me, if it wasn't for God, I would not be in, I would be here. But praise God, he told me where I have to be. So I, I'm, I'm trying to hold this standard of righteousness in our country. But I just want you to know that, that we are, God looks at us and he says, you're the head you're the head of your house. You've got authority. You're the head. I don't know if you're getting it. I hope you are because this is now, uh, did you notice the qualifications God said to him? If you believe and don't doubt, he's quoting Mark 11, 20, 23. If you believe and don't doubt, you'll see the glory. That means those growths was part of the glory. That means body parts growing out as part of the glory. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus cast out demons by the finger of God, by the power of God. Casting out demons is a, is a demonstration of his mercy and his glory. When the glory of God comes, bodies are healed, minds are free, demons come out, prosperity comes. It's not just a mist, although it will include that at times. The glory of God is miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus said to Dad Hagen in this last day, great revival, it is the time of the working of miracles. We have got to expect that. If we don't even know how to stand up and deal with things in the spirit with our dominion, we're not going to see those things. But I believe this company will because we've got the best teaching, in my opinion, on the planet. I really do believe we have. Now, what is, I'm not going to read them for sake of time, but just you know the scriptures anyway. The condition is to, the, the, the requirement to see the glory, the requirement to be the head is that you got to believe. I know this is simple, but we have to, we have to really believe. What does Ephesians 1.19 say? The greatness of his power to us word, who? <laughs> Jesus said in Mark's, Mark 16, I believe it's verse 15, Mark 16, 17, those that believe will cast out devils. But the condition is you have to believe. A lot of people think, but they don't believe. That's why when you try to say, come out, don't listen to you. There has to be a believing. Mark eleven twenty three. if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. You've got to believe when you command it, it will obey you. When you speak to the spirit of fear, like Pastor Nancy says, if there's a shred of doubt that it will obey you, it will mock you. Those seven sons of Sceva said, come out, but I don't know him. Paul knows him, but I don't know him. But in that guy's name that they know, you come out. And they beat him up naked, bleeding in the street. They didn't believe. They tried to say the right spiritual words, but there was no belief behind it. You've got to believe. You say, you've got to believe. If you don't believe, it won't really work for you. By the way, can I just add a, something for free? If you exaggerate and lie all the time, 
which a lot of preachers are guilty of. Padding the story. Making it sound a little better than it really is. Cropping the photographs to show a large crowd, but they just took the little sliver and multiplied it. No, because they want bigger support. Look how many souls I'm reaching. You exaggerate all the time, and if, you, if you're not scrupulously, meticulously honest about everything, you know what's going to happen? It's going to hurt your faith. You know why? Because you won't believe your own word. You, when you're always saying something that's not exactly right, you start doubting. You know that what you're saying ain't true. So you start saying, well, I don't know if I even really believe what I'm saying anymore. And they're going to keep track of all those lies. So you have lying lists. With that person, I've got to say this because I said that before. And, and then when you start to command, and, and the Bible says, you believe. When you say the mountain, cast be thou cast moon and sea. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say, didn't say what God said, say things that you say will come to pass. You've got to believe that what you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say, but you have to believe that what you say. If you're always exaggerating and lying, you don't believe your own word. You might know that you have authority in God, but if you don't even trust that what you're saying is right, your cart can't condemn you. Seriously. Seriously. I'm a truthful person generally, but sometimes, occasionally, you, you say something, then the Lord, because you're just excited about something. So I was down in a meeting with Keith Moore, and I'm sitting on the front row, and Keith's preaching, and he said, I'm going to start just, I need to talk to you a little bit all about exaggerating to the pastors. Something. Well, a lot of people here need that, Pastor. I mean, <laughs> praise God. That's good, brother. You just sit there and tell them, I, I, you know, they all need it. So he comes, Pastor, and he puts it. Half the sermon, he was leaning on me. Like full leaning on me. Like all his body weight almost. I'm sitting there. <sighs> he doesn't know me. He's never met me. And I'm thinking, I'm so special. I'm so anointed. The man of God is imparting to me for half an hour. Dear Jesus, nobody else he's touching. I'm just, thank God. Praise God. <laughs> And I heard the Holy Ghost say, before you get too big where your hat won't fit, that's a minister I know always says it, so he talked to me in that language. Don't let your head swell where your hat won't fit, son. That's how he said it to me. He said, you think you're so anointed? He's leaning on you because it's for you. Oh, my God. I felt so, I felt so embarrassed. And then I wanted him to get away from me. I just get away from me. Just go to somebody else. No, I'm, I've never, I'm not a liar, I've, but, but God was, God was, God was tweaking something. You be 100%, one, not 99.9999, 100% truthful in every example, every story. If you don't know, say you don't know. Don't pat it, don't mask it, don't add to it. Let your yes be yes, your no be no, because if you, that's what God was tweaking me, because he was saying to me, where I'm taking you, son, if you can't, you've got to trust your word. Your word, you have to know that you're 100% truthful. Then you'll believe my word. Then when you command things, and you don't doubt in your heart because you know your word's good. And you know my word's good. And then it will come to pass for you. I'm telling you. And I have made that tweak. Praise God. I'm not saying that I, I'm perfect, but I've made that tweak because God wants our word to be right. Praise God. I'm telling you, preachers are the biggest liars on the planet because we want to say things and 
and we got to be so careful. That's why I love Pastor, because she's so skillful and she's so measured. Yeah. And, she, and she, if she doesn't know, she says, I don't know. I love that because that is a rare thing these days. That was, that was just, but you got to believe. I'm, I'm just the side, but I, I just, you got to believe. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. But it's not just the word, it's the rhema word. So faith comes by the rhema word, the revealed word, the quickened word. The, Hebrew, the Greek means to pour in like a, like a pot, to pour in from a jug into your heart. He has to pour it into you for faith to come. So you say, well, how do I get faith? How do I get revealed word? You got to read your Bible, like pastor said, in the spirit. You can't just read. Well, these people that try to read the Bible in a year, but they don't have got no faith. They're reading all the chapters. So they tick their little box. Look how good Christian I am. I read everything, but do you, but what was in there? It'd be better to stay on one scripture and get it. Amen. I'm not saying don't read long passages. I do too, but we can't just read. There's got to be revelation. There's got to be rhema in that word because that's where faith comes by the rhema word of God. Amen. How do you do it? You read the Bible in the spirit. Wigglesworth said, some people read the Bible in Greek and some in Hebrew. I read it in the Holy Ghost. Right. Meaning, there's nothing wrong with Hebrew and Greek, but meaning I'm in the spirit. I'm worshiping. I'm praying. See, it's all these things. Yeah. I'm in the spirit and I'm meditating and I'm reading and then he reveals and then he shows and then he pulls back and then he pours in and then he ignites and then I go, oh, I see it. Yes, I see it. That's faith. When that happens, you're ready. Because you say, I know because people tell me I, I try to cast it out. No, you, you, that's the problem. You tried. You tried. That's what says we tried. You tried, but it's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of consecration, which was the prayer and fasting, and believing. Amen. Right living, setting yourself apart, and believing. If you believe, it will work. Don't tell me devils won't listen to you. They will if you believe. And they know if you don't believe. Everybody else, you know, you're from Africa, brother. We're starting to work in Africa. My spiritual son, Matthew, here. Uh, there's a lot of witchcraft there. There's a lot of stuff happening in that continent that is more overt than here. And I'm telling you, those demons know. They know if you really believe or not. And it would just be better that you don't even enter the confrontation if you don't know what you know. Because they will embarrass you and they will hurt you if you try to engage them and you don't believe. But we have a right because we're the head. Praise God. I told you it's simple. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, Luke 4, 18, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that's daily bread, right? Daily living. But you know that word is rhema, not logos? Every day, the bread of the rhema word is to come to you. If a day passes and you have not had revelation in the scriptures, you're missing it. Like Norville said, you have backslidden and you don't realize it. Every day, rhema, it's, it's the daily bread. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is sharp, two-edged sword. That is a very unique verse, only verse in the New Testament that shows rhema and logos in the same, in the same passage. But logos is what's listed. The word there is logos, but the description is rhema. Yeah. The, and really when it says the word of God is, in Greek it means the word of God becomes. Yeah. Not is. You think it's present tense, but it's actually becomes. It's progressive tense. The word of God, logos, becomes quick, active, sharp, alive. Yeah. Rhema. Yeah. Because the word that you read, if it doesn't become rhema in you, about by his stripes you're healed. You can read it all your life and die of cancer. The condition is you have to believe. If you want to be the head, you have to believe. If you want to be head over growths, 
you have to believe. If you want to be head over demons, you have to believe. You have to believe. And obviously, David in a lesser covenant without all this teaching, without the Holy Ghost, ran to a giant. You can read it in 1 Samuel 17. And if you read it, he didn't just say, the giant said, I'm going to kill you, feed you to flesh, birds of the sky. He said, this little David. Some say he was 16, some say he was 19. Who cares? doesn't matter. He was a teenager. And he says, I'm going to take you. But if you read it, he says, and I will feed the host of the armies of the Philistines to the birds of the air. The giant said, I'll kill you. The spirit of faith said, I'll kill you and your whole army. I don't care if they're with me. If the anointing of Samson has to come on me, it will come on me. Just me and God, I'll take all of y'all. Now, if the man without the Holy Ghost in him can have that kind of faith, that he'd take a giant and the army behind the giant because he knows God. Pastor's talking about knowing God. Faith comes out of knowing God. If he can say that to a giant and his army, and we can't say it to a little growth, and we're in a better covenant with better promises and got the Holy Ghost in us, you see, there's a problem there. That's why he's in the Bible and we're not. Uh, There's a problem there. This guy who's got such little at his disposal, yet so believes against insurmountable odds, he believes. When we face things, you've got to believe. If you don't believe, it's not going to work. How do I believe? Get in the Word, not just the Word, the revelation of the Word. Listen to that sermon by Pastor Nancy or whoever God puts on your heart, whoever's in your, who's your feeder, and listen to it over and over and over and over again until the revelation comes, because it doesn't always come the first time. In fact, because God knows we're so lazy, many times he withholds the revelation on purpose to see if we'll show enough honor for the word preached to listen to it five or six or ten times. I've done that many times. I'm like, Lord, why didn't you show me that the first time? I could have saved hours because I wanted to see if you honored what she said. We're so used to wanting it like this. But sometimes turn the television off and just go and and listen and meditate and wait until that thing gets poured in you. When you believe now, oh, you're you're, you're half on your way. But you still got to speak because the word of faith is neither in the heart nor in the mouth. So, but you got to speak it, but you got to believe it first. Amen? Are you you with me? You got to speak it. You got to do your part. You know, Pastor... I had struggled for years with when Dad Hagen said, I know he's right, but I just found it really hard to grasp. I'm sure he did too. In Broken Bow, Jesus said, I couldn't have done anything about that yakety yak demon, remember? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought you, I know you didn't mean that, Lord. You meant you wouldn't. I said I couldn't. Remember three times? And the third time he yelled at him. Yeah. I said I couldn't. And then he'd be, and then he <laughs> I struggle with that. You're Jesus. What do you mean you couldn't? Right. You're Jesus. That doesn't make sense. And to the natural darkened mind, that doesn't make sense. So I sought God about it. I said, Lord, I need revelation. He's right. I know in my spirit, but I can't. It's it's bugging me. You need to help me. And he said, my word will answer that. I said, well, then please enlighten your servant. (laughs) And he quoted me, Daniel, we won't turn there, but Daniel 6, 8. And it says, the king's decree, which cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. And the Lord said to me, when the king of Persia gave a decree, even he couldn't change it. It's law uncontested beyond his own person. 
And that's natural, natural world. And the Lord said, when I delegated my authority to the church, I am the king of kings. But when I decreed that, I can't even change it. I won't change it. I said, you deal with it. I said, you bind, Matthew 18, 18. Whatever you bind on the earth, he's not in the earth, he's in heaven. Whatever you bind on the earth will be bound. Whatever you loose, you do it. The, the key is in your pocket. I can't help you. You do it. I died so you could do it. Now do it. I sent a decree. I cannot change it. That's why he meant I can't do it. It wasn't a reference to him being powerless. It was a reference to his law that he has decreed. The spiritual divine order that he set in motion. I will not change the divine order. I've given it to the body. I am the head, so from one perspective I can, but I can't because I have decreed this. I'm serious. He said to Dad Hagen, there's nowhere in the New Testament you'll find where I'll deal with a demon for you. You have to deal with it. If you don't know you're the head of your house, (laughs) if you think the pastor's the head of your house, no, you're the head of your house. Your pastor teaches you, but you're the head. You better, you, better, you better get this, I'm telling you, because we're talking about walking in the Spirit, but there's a lot of things that we'll try to stop, including fear and including all this stuff. we got to get so skillful with our dominion and with our authority. we gotta, we got to walk full. We've got to walk knowing who we are. Brimming with authority. Not wanting the devil to show up, but just ready if he does. And not looking for him because we see a clear path to the runway. But when he does show up, there's no contestation. There's no, I need to call for help. There's no, because I I believe and I speak. You have to do it. You have to do your part. Praise God. Praise God. I won't read it, but Nehemiah 4.14, I read it in the offering last night, but a different part. Nehemiah 4.14 and verse 14 and verse 20. Nehemiah 4.14 says, he tells the people, come and fight for your little ones, your husbands, your wives, your children, and your countrymen, because they were trying to kill them when they fought, when they were building the wall. And he said, you come and fight. But then in verse 20, he says, when I blow the trumpet and you gather to me, he says, God will fight for us. But I want you to notice, he first said, you fight. And then he says, God will fight. Religion cancels out verse 14 and only talks about verse 20. And all these songs from all these places that they come up with music, everything's always about God doing it, God doing it, God doing it, God doing it. God will fight my battles. And there's a truth to that. But the problem is they forgot verse 14 where it says, you come and you fight. What does that mean? I do my part and God does his part, but my part precedes his part. I hope I believe I'm the head. I believe that I open my mouth. I command. I do my part. I fight. I speak. I command. I rebuke. Then God comes to fight for me. Then his power manifests what I have said. He causes what I have said to come to pass. But everybody wants God to cause everything to come to pass, but they won't fight. We have been given headship, Pastor Noel. We are never afraid. I have to have this to live in Canada. That's why doctor imparted boldness to me. I have to, because I live in hell. I do. They've just passed a law that anybody under 18, if you tell them if they're transgender, we have 42 genders in Canada. And if you tell somebody that they are not a male, 
when they are, but they think that they're not, and you try to pray for them, counsel them, talk to them in private or public, 10 years in jail. They just passed that law. Because the devil is trying to, to get this young generation so messed up in their minds. And my son was in school, my oldest one, and, and he saw this boy in the corner curled up, whimpering. And he knows enough from me that that's demonic. He's only 15. The teacher ignores him, just walks right past. So he says, Daddy, what should I do? I said, I said, go up to that boy and say, I've got the power of God. Can I cast that out of you? He said, are you sure, Daddy? I said, you do what I say, son. So he goes up, he goes up to the boy outside. He said, can I do it outside the, church, the, the school property? I said, yeah, you better. And he says, I just want you to know, I've got the power of God. There's, some, there's a demon inside you. That's why you're on the floor whimpering. If you let me, I'll cast it out. That's what my little 15-year-old said. And that person said, no, 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 I, no I, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. They wouldn't let him. Well, then the next day we find out that it's actually a girl dressed up as a boy. And my son couldn't even tell. And if the teachers call her her, when she has said, call me they, the teacher can lose their job. So now we have to call her they because they're not only a non-gender, they're a, what do you call it, Jenny? A, bi, a binary, they're bi, non-binary gender. They don't bind to a gender. And if the teacher doesn't say, a, a they, they, could you come up here, they? The teacher can go to prison. <laughs> I live in hell. <laughs> I do. The devil... Listen, you, you better not get too comfortable because it's trying to come here. Oh, that's right. California especially, they're just three steps behind us. I'm telling you. We lead the world. In Toronto leads the world in transgender and all this stuff. There's no, there's no place on earth that is as dark as Toronto when it comes to sexuality. And yet uh, I have to stand up and sometimes God says, son, and I won't say it unless he tells me. He said, son, today I want you to talk about lesbianism. Come on. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. But I'm the head of my house. That's right. I'm, I'm telling you, Pastor, we're the head of our house. That's we're not trying to pick a fight, no. but when God gives you the yeah. fight and says, you say it, yeah. it don't matter how they froth and foam and rage. Yeah. Oh, the heathen rage. Yeah. But God has to come in great power to defend us Amen. because the gospel of righteousness yeah. must be held high. And we are not afraid of the law and we're not afraid of devils and we're not afraid of sickness no. and we're not afraid of jail time and we're, we're not afraid. No. I'm telling you, we're not afraid. But the only way you can have that spirit of faith is you've got to get in the word. You've got to devour it. Why could Joshua take the land because of Joshua 1 8? Meditate day and night. Meditate day and night. It's got to be so in you because faith is required for the conquest. Without faith, we will not overcome. A pastor that I heard about in northern Russia, his little grandson, six years old, was outside seven or something, outside playing, and a bear came from the woods and grabbed the child in the mouth, lifted the child up, walking away. This happened last year. And the granddad come out of the house, an illiterate man, uneducated man, in the wilds of Siberia. He came out of the house and he saw his grandson in the mouth being carried to the woods. 
And he says to the, <laughs> he says to the bear, hey, stop, in his language. And the bear turned and looked at him. And he says, you can't have him. He's not yours. He's mine. And he's talking to the bear like he's a human. And the bear's just looking at him. And he said, I command you in the name of Jesus, open your mouth. And the bear opened his mouth and the child fell out. And the man took up, picked up the child and walked into the house. Now there's nothing wrong with having a gun, but I think we put too much faith in all of our stuff. Because by the time you figure out how to load the stupid thing, and then you're probably going to miss the bear anyway. And if you do hit him, it's probably going to take 20 shots to bring him down, in which case he'll have mauled you. We are the head of our house with bears, with growths, with demons. We have headship. Let me tell you this before I close. Uh, This lady called me, Pastor, there's a demon showing up in my house at night. It jumps on my bed. It beats me up. And it was even, I don't want this children, so I'll be careful, but it even tried to do other things to me. I said, well, speak to it. I tried, but it won't leave. I said, it's because you don't believe. So I let it go for a little while. She said, Pastor, you got to come. I said, you speak to it, but, I'm t- but it won't listen. I said, because you don't believe. I said, you need to stop what you're doing and fast and pray and get in the word because if you believe, it will obey you. That's right. That's right. But she couldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. So I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, go over, son. So I'm going over. I said, Lord, any words for me? He said, it's moving day. Tell that lady it's moving day. So I walk in, I said, lady, it's spiritual moving day. Take me to your bedroom. I said, where does it stand? She says, it stands right there every night before it jumps on me and tries to assault me and does assault her. She said, the lights go off all instantly. She said, the the temperature goes from 70 down to 45 in a matter of one second. She said, I can hear things crawling through the walls. I mean, it's a haunted house. (laughs) We found out later there's a family member in Indonesia that hired a witch doctor to put a curse on her. And of course, you, be, you better know who you are. So I go in and I said, that's where it stands. And I said, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. Nothing happened. I said, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. Nothing happened. So I decided to release the angels. That didn't work. I used the name. That didn't work. I tried binding and loosing. That didn't work. I went through my list. Nothing worked. I said, Lord, nothing works. But I know I believe. But everything they told me don't work. And as as I'm saying, Lord, what do I do? Oh, he walked in the room. He started to manifest in front of me. He was about seven feet tall and he walked past me. I'm telling you the atmosphere in that room. I mean, talk about terror. Every hair, wing. The lady starts weeping. She's in such fear because she knows it. She has it every night. And he moved past me on purpose. I could feel his body as he moved past my chest to intimidate me and let me know, you can't touch me. And he went and stood exactly where he stands. I didn't see him, but the presence, and I knew by the word knowledge, and he manifested physically as he passed me. And I'm looking, and so I start doing it all again. I bind you, and nothing happened. I'm doing all these things. It works on the international field. It won't work in in Toronto. What's wrong with this? It works at the altar. It's not working now. I said, Lord Jesus, I don't know what to do. I mean, the fear, I'm talking terror. Like I'm afraid. So I'm I'm speaking to that atmosphere. I bind you spirit of fear because it's not fear, but fear comes with it. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, talk about the blood. And I remember that Dr. Sumrall, which I learned later, he said, you don't ever cast the devil out without talking about the blood. 
He said, I always talk about the blood. Why? Because according to Hebrews chapter 9, it says that the blood, the, te- the, the covenant has no force without the death of the testator. Jesus had to die to bring force to the covenant. The blood had to be shed to bring force or power to our authority. The blood gives our authority punch. It's the life of God. And I started saying, I mean, I heard him. He said, he said, talk about the blood. And I said, I say to you, the blood of Jesus is pure and holy. And that atmosphere started going, I mean, it started to, it was freaky. I said, oh, and I'm getting excited now. Now the anointing is on me and I, I, I want the fight, man. I want it. I want it. I said, oh, that precious blood of Jesus. Oh, that blood of Jesus is against you. This daughter is a daughter of Abraham and a seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. I abjure you by the blood. Go and don't ever step foot in this property. And it went right out the window. Never happened again, but she called me two hours later and said, Pastor. I said, oh, dear God, don't tell me this quick. You invited it back. (laughs) Pastor, there's something wrong with my car. I said, what's wrong with your car? She goes, I don't understand it. I said, what? She says, there are teeth marks and gnawing on my tires. So I said, I don't know what to tell you. She took it to the, they put it up on the hoist. And the man says, ma'am, I've been a mechanic all my life. Why are you eating your tires? There were gnaw marks, teeth marks in the tires. I said, Lord, what happened? He said, it had a temper tantrum. It didn't want to leave. So it decided to freak out on the way out. Tell her, don't worry about it. Never come back. Just replace her tires and don't give it any thought. But I'm telling you, you better know. (laughs) You try to deal with devils when you hope, when you think, when you try. You got to know your headship. You try to deal with growth, you got to deal with headship. You got to deal with thoughts, casting down. You got to you got to know who you are. With prosperity, you can't talk about it nicely and and talk. You got to be aggressive. There's a scripture in Isaiah 36, 29. The Lord told me. He said, "It's the Bible says, I call for for the corn and it shall increase." And the Lord said, "You call, but when you look at the word call, Pastor Noel, it means to accost somebody aggressively." It doesn't just mean I call for it, I call for it, like I always do. It means you accost someone aggressively. You look at that and you say, I commend you in the name of Jesus. And I've been doing that with my church budget. It's amazing how much faster it's going up. Because I've been calling for years. Oh Lord, I call that, I call that, but not with full, the punch of faith. The aggression of headship. Now I say, you have no right, you have to come. Money, I commend you. I accost you. I confront you aggressively. God needs you. My budget needs you. I commend you in Jesus' name. Come. I don't care where you come from, through who you come from. I could give a rip. You get in my bank account. And I'm telling you, it just starts going. Because it's not about the number of people you have. Yes, that's right. We know churches that are seven times, eight times larger than us that have half the budget we have. That's right, right. Because they've got a bunch of people that don't tithe. That's right. It's a, it's a matter of faith. Yeah. You've got to teach people. You've got to do those things. But it's a matter of your headship. Amen. If you can understand your headship, things will change. Yes. That's really all I wanted to share with you. <laughs> well, well I, I'm just, I didn't mean it like that, but that's, that's pretty much it. We, 
Can I just share one more story as I close? It's at 11.30, it's 11.26, I'll go quick. But Dad Hagen talks about Ernie Reb, Pastor Ernie Reb in the Philippines. And that demon came on his property, attacked his workers, they were building him a house. He's watching with his own eyes as he's struggling with an invisible force. He sees the bite marks go into his thigh. He sees the penetration and blood is squirting out. The workers are screaming. He has to go into hospital, I think it was for three months. They don't come up the next day. They're all afraid because of the bad juju. You know what I mean? But it's really real. And he says, where are the workers? And one of the guys says, they won't come because this is a cursed property. So they, the workers sent a witch doctor with a chicken and a pig. And they came and said, if we don't sacrifice blood on your property, that thing that attacked your worker will come back and attack all your workers. And that actually happens in the Philippines. According to Ernie Reb, who told Dad Hagen personally. And Ernie Reb is like, is like Dad Hagen. He said, you ain't bringing your chicken nor pig on my property. That's what he said. And I want you to listen to how we termed it. This is my property. You have no right to come on my property. You take your pig and chicken and go to somebody else's property. And you ain't putting ungodly blood on my property. There's already blood on my property. And he told those workers, he said, I bind. And see, he understood authority. He understood headship. He said, I place a bloodline around this property, around every square inch. Nothing can cross that blood. He said, I command every foul devil, you get off my property. You're not welcome on my property. This is my property. Now he's talking about physical property, but you could, you could talk about that in your body. Norva was saying, my, my daughter's body, that's my property. My mind is my property. You, you oppressive thoughts, you have no right on my property. You have no right on my land. You have no right in my body. This is mine. I've been made ahead. I have dominion. And so they slowly came back kind of tentatively. Not really, they're not believers. They don't really know if he knows what he's doing. But no more attacks. No more attacks. The man after months got out of prison. He told the witch doctor to go and sacrifice somewhere else. And he, the witch doctor said, this will happen. I guarantee you it will happen again. It always happens again. These are aggressive spirits in this region. And if it attacks another worker and kills them, according to the law of our land, this is back years ago, I don't know if it still is, but according to the law of our land, you're responsible to pay for the wife, the children, and take care of all of them because it's gross negligence that you let them get killed by a demon. He said, I don't care what you say. I'm not paying for nobody because it's not welcome on my property. It'll never come back again. Never did. Listen, your mind is your property. Take charge. You don't have to think every little thought that comes. I went, you know how many trouble, my problems I've had in the ministry because of my mind? And then talking with Pastor Nancy, and she's so sweet. I'll tell her something. I tell for years until I finally got it. She'd say, Pastor, you're in the mental arena. And it got to the point where I got mad. What do you mean the mental arena? I have a brain. I have to be in the mental arena. I don't understand what you mean. I didn't say that to her, but I'm just, what does she mean? I'm listening. I don't understand. I'm in private. I don't understand. Of course I'm in the mental arena. What other meaning is there? Until finally, 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 after a while, the word of God started to get in my spirit. And I said, oh, well, you're pretty stupid, Craig. Oh, I get it now. There's a mental arena. There's a spiritual arena. And I don't have to think any thought that comes because I guess I thought that I did. I thought it was me. Half the time it's the devil, not you. And half the time it's your flesh, not the devil. But you don't have to think any thought that pops in your head. 
You don't have to think and meditate. You, you can stay here, get there, stay here. It's your property. You have a right to guard that property. Everything comes with this mind. Every, it's a battleground. You have a right to it. If it shows up in your body, you have a right to deal with it on your property. If it shows up in your land, you have a right to it. Remember, if you don't remember anything else, Joel, remember, God yelled at Norville, get out of your house. I wake up in the morning sometime, oh my God, I'm the head of my house. Because in my dream, I can hear his voice because he screamed into the microphone. I mean, he screamed into the microphone and I wake up, oh my God, I'm the head of my house, devil, devil. And I'm just looking. I'm the head of my house. You're the head of my house. You get off my son. You get off my wife. You get off my dog. No, little Ollie, Pastor Nancy gave us a dog and the dogs got sick a bunch of times. The vet said, it's going to be a, call him tripod. I said, why? I have to amputate the leg. Just call him tripod. I said, I'm not calling him tripod. <laughs> this disease is incurable. We can't fix it. You have, we have to amputate. I said, Lord, oh God. You see, that's religion. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, stop it. When you cry too much, he'll tell you to shut up. I said, you're the head of your house. Is that dog in your house? Yeah. Well, then speak to a dog. Speak. I laid hands on that. He was crying. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, but I have to believe. I command you. The next morning, he's running around. It's astonishing. And that's happened over and over again. I don't know how many times that dog's got, not a cat nine lives, that dog's got nine lives. But the devil keeps trying to kill him. And my faith, just Jenny and I, faith, we just keep him living. Listen, if he'll do it for a dog, he'll do it for your child. He'll do it for your mind. He'll do it for your church. But you've got to believe that you are the head. And you've got to speak to it and have victory. Father, I bless you and I thank you. Thank you for that impartation of strength. Nothing we ever face needs to frighten us. Nothing shall by any means hurt us. To walk in the spirit requires great skill in dominion. Let us walk skillfully in these eras, these days of this last day era, that we would please you, Father. Glory to God, that we wouldn't try to deal with spiritual problems mentally, we'd deal with them spiritually. And we would walk like kings on the earth. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, before we go any further, while I was earlier, earlier in the service, God said to me, have Pastor Craig lay hands on Pastor Ike for an, another degree of boldness to get into where you need to get into is going to take a, more boldness. From doctor, by the Holy Ghost, I say, my brother, from this moment forward, come to another level in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Boldness in Jesus' name. Fearlessness in Jesus' name. In the face of devils, fearlessness. In the face of corruption, fearlessness. In the face of jail, fearlessness. And, and Nigeria will know. It will know. It will hear the cry. It will hear the cry of the word and the spirit. And it will shake under the power of God. Be bold and take the land.
Hallelujah. Notice I didn't say another degree of authority. Our authority doesn't need increasing. We need an increase of boldness to walk in the authority. We have total authority. We can't grow in authority. When you're a parent, you don't grow into that. You might grow in your boldness of the exercise of the parental authority, but you don't get more authority. Hallelujah. And for Pastor Ike, I say this, and for others, you have to remember what Dr. Summerall would do. When somebody would challenge him, he would stand up and proclaim and pronounce that if they touched him, they die. I mean, I remember reading about Maria Woodworth Eder or Mariah Woodworth Eder, however you pronounce it because it's stated as both, but uh, she would be threatened in her tent crusades and she would stand up and she'd say, anybody that touches me, you're going to die. Dr. Summerall would say it multiple times. Why? Because you have the last word. You uh, Boldness always takes the last word. And in the face of threats, you have to declare the outcome. Amen. Hallelujah. I so appreciate what he was telling about the blood and the authority of the blood. We, uh, we got on an airplane to, uh, we were flying to Russia and uh, we were sitting on the tarmac. We hadn't taken off yet out of LAX and up from my spirit came these words, the blood will carry you there. And I had never heard of that terminology. The blood will carry you there. And so I spoke it out. The blood will carry us there. And I thought, what's going to happen? That we needed those words. We needed the expression of the blood, the application of the blood. And we got there and we landed and really didn't recognize till we landed uh, that, that we had just flown through a hundred year storm. The worst storm in a hundred years. And I don't remember it being any anything bumpy or out of the ordinary, but we sat there for six hours because they had to land us at the wrong airport before we got to the right one. But uh, we didn't even realize what we passed through because the blood carried us there. And there I got, now I know what to say when I travel. The blood will carry us there. Those were heaven given words of travel. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, um, I remember years ago when having a certain season in my life where just bombardment on the mind and I would use my authority. I would take authority and bind and tell the devil to desist in his maneuvers and nothing would change. And, uh, after a season of this, I finally said to God, I said, God, I don't even know if it's right for me to ask you about this because I don't want you to think I'm trying to get out from using my authority. I know I've got to use my authority. So I'm not asking you to do what only my authority can accomplish, but I don't know what needs to be different 
I'm missing it somewhere. I'm missing it somehow. And I ask you to help me and I hope it's okay for me to ask you without you thinking I'm trying to get you to do it for me. I'm not trying to get you to do it. And maybe it's even a misuse of my authority to even ask you because it's showing I'm not walking in my authority that I'm asking you that. And I sat there, you know, fumbling over my words, trying to express what was in my heart about it. And he didn't say anything at that moment. And then we had a prayer service that night at the church. And we were actually back, for those of you who don't know, back that shed. That used to be where we would have some midweek services. And we had a prayer meeting back there. And uh, I taught a little bit on prayer. And then I got ready to lead us in prayer. And I closed my eyes. And the moment I did, I was in the spirit. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, you were right to ask me about the opposition you're facing. He said, Paul asked me three times. And he said, then I spoke to him and gave him the light he needed. He said, it was right for you to ask me He said, I understand that you're not asking me to exercise authority in your behalf that only you can exercise. And he says, I can't help you do that, but I can help you. And he said, and the help I give you is put you in the spirit. And I mean, the moment I closed my eyes, instantly I was in the spirit. He says, now that you're in the spirit, now use your authority. He said, tell that devil that's been harassing you to desist in his maneuvers against you. And I said, I've been doing that for months. But see, I didn't do it in the spirit. You get results when you're in the spirit. That's why it's so important that we live life in the spirit because then we're always in the place to where everything is going to work. Instead of mentally exercising authority, it's in the spirit. And the way to live in the spirit is just never get too far out. Never get too far away from that flow. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Pastor Craig, that was wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Hallelujah. Our authority and dominion is a flow of the spirit. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.